Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. I guess it's a holiday weekend, they say, President's Day. So, a couple things um, as we get started, I wanted to pass along. Be sure to check out, uh, we have these available, the Calvary Chapel magazine. And I really like this magazine. It's very well done. They got an incredible ministry of just um, recording all the ministry that Calvary Chapel does all over the world. In this edition, they put it out quarterly, but they also got, um, you know, social media. They got Instagram that they put a number of stories on. They uh, put uh, some of Pastor Chuck's uh, writings on there. It's just really uplifting, and and we need that. Those of us who who use social media, but this particular issue, um, there's a lot in here that, that we're actually involved in. There is Corey and CBI down in Peru, uh, the conference they had, the conference I did down in Mexico, uh, they have a story on that, um, and uh, Wes Bentley and his guys that I was with last summer, uh, they uh, talk about their ministry, so a lot of friends here um, that Uh, We're a part of their ministry. We get to minister alongside of them. Read it. You'll get excited. And and it's it's good. I like reading these magazines, looking at it, because then it excites me that God is working beyond our little fellowship. And and he's using us to minister in so many different places. And in Peru, I was talking with Corey, and uh, we have somebody, I've already said, that is planning a church in the Amazon in Peru that comes from here. Uh, we're supporting another church plan out, CBI Peru, the first one. Uh, and it's just exciting to be a part of it, what Wes is doing. Wes, he always texts me and, and updates me. The l- latest issue, newsletter from Wes, Far-Reaching Ministry, is heartbreaking. Uh, and Wes is just an incredible, incredible man of God being used of, of God in, in so many different areas, war-torn war, war areas. Um, and so we're excited what God is doing and what he's doing in Central America, uh, church planning in Mexico. Uh, it, it's such a blessing to be a part of it. So be sure to grab one of these. They're in the bookstore. Uh, take a look at it. Be excited about those things. And um, I think that's all I wanted to kind of start out with. So uh, today we're going to talk about joy in ministry. So you can turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. We're going to start reading there. I'll start reading at verse 17. Father, I do thank you that we're here, and um, these are exciting days to be ministering. Uh, These are exciting days to to be in the church, and and, uh, we want to be used of you. We want to further the kingdom of God. Uh, If we're here just to minister to our, our family better, or in the body of Christ, or whatever you have for us, you're the one that leads. We know that you call us to ministry. Uh, you prepare us for that ministry, as we're going to learn in the book of Philippians, that it is you that works in us both the will and to do of your good pleasures. And Lord, help us to endure and be faithful and have humility, all those things that we talked about. But today is joy. 
And we can so easily lose that joy because of the circumstances or trials, uh, difficulties that we go through. And the enemy wants to rob us of our joy. So I pray that today that you would just touch our hearts and remind us of these things that are in your scripture to help us uh, remain in joy, to move forward in joy in our ministry, to run our race with joy. So Lord, just speak to our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. These last two weeks of, of the class, I think, to me are, I wouldn't say maybe of high priority, I'll say that, because all eight weeks just praying through this um, series that I'm doing and touching on these different things about ministry, all of it is very important. God calling us to ministry, God preparing us for ministry, being led by the Spirit of God in ministry, faithfulness in ministry, endurance in ministry, uh, humility in ministry. But these last two weeks, and, and the reason maybe for me personally, uh, this really is important for me in the season that I'm in, in my ministry, 30 years of ministry, that I've endured 30 years. Um, Lord, I, I've been faithful, I believe, in teaching the Word of God. We've gone through the Bible, all 66 books, twice here at Calvary Chapel. And that's one of the, the, the things that I really was a, a priority for me when we came up and started Calvary Chapels to take the congregation through the books of the Bible. And here in this chapter, in Acts chapter 20, Paul, he says to the Ephesian elders, I did not shun to declare to you the whole counsel of God's word. And that is the priority of Calvary Chapels going through the books of the Bible. And we've done that twice. So, you know, Lord, I, I, I know that you're still working endurance in me and faithfulness. I want to remain humble. But these last two weeks, for me, I know where the enemy can really rip me off is, number one, taking, you know, trying to take my joy away. Enjoy in ministry. And then second of all, uh, next week we'll talk about loving others in ministry. And those are two things that I have to really be on guard about because of the, you know, the days that we're in. And when you've gone through just difficulties and you've gone through the trials and you've gone through the situations, the enemy's always there trying to take joy away from you in ministering. Ministering is such an incredible thing, and it is very joyous to be able to serve the Lord. But the enemy's going to be there to try to rob you of that joy in the world, in circumstances. And that can happen very, very easily, especially when you're tired. Especially when you're going through a hard time or a difficult season or you're just grieving, whatever the case may be. That joy can disappear very, very quickly. And I learned, I think, from Paul the Apostle so much about joy, as we're going to read here in the text. But I don't want that joy to be taken away. I want to minister with joy. And we are going to talk a lot about it in the book of Philippians. We did last week, if you were here on Sunday, about how we keep our joy. And Paul there, writing from prison, chained to a Roman guard. I gave that background to the book of Philippians because it really... It really shows us what Paul went through, those years of, of legal nightmares in Israel leading up to Rome being chained to a Roman guard. He's under house arrest. If there is any time that Paul was uh, just, you would understand, he would express that this is hard and difficult and I'm done and all the things that he went through. But yet 
he speaks about running his race with joy. And he was one that kept his eyes on the Lord. And he says that I'm here for the furtherance of the gospel. He never called himself a prisoner of Rome. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. He doesn't say I'm a prisoner of Caesar Nero. He, he says I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And I'm here for the furtherance of the gospel. And he trusted the Lord was working in the situation that he was in. And if there was ever a time that you felt like he had the right to complain and murmur and say, you know, I'm just really struggling. It was that time. But he begins to talk about joy. And he speaks about joy. And he uses the word joy, rejoicing, some 19 times in four chapters. So that's maybe perhaps one of the reasons why the Lord put, really put on my heart for us to go through the book of Philippians because I've talked to a number of Christians and those who are, are serving, particularly over the last few years, that are, have just kind of lost their joy or, or that joy slipping away or being robbed of their joy. And it can happen in the days in which we're in very easily. So I want to read to you from Acts chapter 20. He's meeting in verse 17. Paul is ending, coming to the close of his third missionary journey. He had just left uh, Ephesus. You recall that revival broke out in Ephesus. We're hearing a little bit about revival. Some of you are hearing about the Osbury revival. Some of you are looking at that. Is it real revival? I got some thoughts on it, but we're not going to get into it right now. Uh, and it, God is doing something, but uh, over time, it's going to tell what exactly. You know, is it just a... God is is working in the hearts of those young people, but that's something that we'll you know look at and and watch and see what God is doing. Always remember this, okay? Because it's going to come up in subject. There's a difference between revival and spiritual awakening, okay? Revival is something that you can say happens with God's people. They say you can't be revived unless you're alive, and and so there are those who are saying, well, the gospel isn't being preached. Well. That's spiritual awakening, and we certainly want that. But revival is just a sense of God's movement on, you know, uh, uh, on people and the presence of the Lord being there. So, again, it's a subject for another time, uh, but we're just going to watch it. But I pray for revival, and I pray for spiritual awakening. Spiritual awakening where the gospel is being presented and people are coming to the Lord. But here, Paul, he's meeting with the Ephesian elders in Ephesus. There was revival and there was spiritual awakening that took place there. The whole city was given over to the gospel, so much so that in Ephesus is a major city in proconsular Asia. And there was the temple Artemis and, and you know a lot of prostitution. There was a lot of idol worship all those things going on, and people were getting saved, and the spiritual awakening that took place, and then they were coming and they were burning their magic books. They were burning their cultic books, and revival was truly taking place to where uh, there was healings, there was you know, all these things, incredible move of God in the, in the city of Ephesus. But we also know, as you read Acts chapter 19, that Paul was there he was teaching at the school Tyrannus, and he did that for two years. He mentions that in this chapter, and he says, I didn't shun to declare to you the whole counsel of God's word. And out of that school, where uh, he was making tents during the day, and then later on, uh, he would teach at the school Tyrannus during that schedule in the afternoon when they took a break or whatever the case may have been. 
that he taught those disciples that would then go out and they would plant churches. And a lot of the churches that you read about, or some of them, they're in proconsular Asia that Jesus wrote a letter to in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Paul had never been to those churches that is recorded. We don't think he was at the church of Colossae. He wrote a letter to them. Uh, Laodicea, Areopolis, those churches. But those disciples went out and planted those churches. So here, as after he leaves Ephesus, of course, a big riot broke out. He's, he's run out of the city. He writes in 2 Corinthians that, that when we came out of Asia, that we were pressed beyond measure. We were despaired even of life. Now, Paul wasn't saying he was suicidal. He was just saying we were really pressed. We were, we were even despaired of life. It was so hard. It was so difficult what happened to us when we were in Asia. And here he meets with the leaders of, of Ephesus, the, the uh, elders there. In verse 17, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day I came to Asia... In what manner I always lived among you. Uh, just a little side note in that um, if you read in the King James, he says, you know what manner of man I was in all seasons. And, and that right there speaks to me. What manner of man, what manner of woman are you going to be in the seasons that you go through in life? Because we go through different seasons. And you may be in a season where everything's going well right now. Everything is good. Um, you may be in a season where it's hard, that you're being pressed. It is difficult. But Paul says, you know what manner of man I was in all seasons. And also, just a little side notes, particularly for, for you know, you who are single, you young ladies. You take all seasons to know what manner of man that perhaps is interested in you or, you know, dating you or whatever take your time i get calls all the time on calvary live and well you know this guy and i say you know old pastor jeff just wants to tell you what paul wrote that know what manner of man he is in all seasons take your time you know when things start out great and everything's wonderful and you know and what happens when things you know settle down reality comes and you see him get mad, you see him be selfish, you know, those things. So just a little advice I want to throw out there. <laughs> he goes on to say, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. So he's talking about how he ministered, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house. Testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Except the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But Verse 24. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And he goes on and he continues to minister to them. 
He says, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God, verse 27. I love this portion of scripture because it's the ultimate pastor's conference. And therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. That's one thing that I always try to remember is that it's his church that he purchased with his own blood. You have the responsibility to oversee it and to, to oversee the flock that, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer, to shepherd. And it is his church, though. And he died for those sheep that you get to oversee. So you can read that, and then he warns them about what's going to happen in the church of Ephesus. It's just a, there's so much that is there. But when I read this, I want to be more like Paul. I want to finish my race with joy that is set before me. He says, chains and tribulations await me. I know. Now, I'll be real honest with you, and I try to be honest with you. If that was me, you know, the Holy Spirit said, you know, you got chains and tribulations awaiting you. I would have said, you know, I think I'm going to just kind of winter here in Miletus or, you know, take it easy or whatever the case may be. Uh, I don't want to go through that. But, but Paul the Apostle, being led by the Spirit of God, he, he says that, I know this is going to happen. And, of course, we know that as you read the book of Acts that he would be arrested in Jerusalem. That would begin that series of legal nightmares he would go through leading him to Rome. But he says, I'm determined to finish my race with joy. And I think, how could Paul do that? This is after, you know, this concludes his third missionary journey. And he has already been stoned and left for dead. He's already uh, has, you know, been uh, run out in, uh, of cities. He, right, a city, there seemed like there was revival and then there would be, you know, uh, a, a riot that would break out. Uh, that happened in Ephesus. Uh, he was beaten with rods and thrown in prison in Philippi. He was mocked in, in Athens. He, he went through so much. And yet he, he's saying, I'm going to finish my race with joy that is set before me, the ministry which the Lord has given to me. And I've been through nothing like Paul the Apostle in his ministry. But he kept his joy. And that shows me something and it teaches me something. So how is it that we can keep our joy? Just a couple things that I wrote down. And I've already mentioned some of these things. How we can keep our joy is we journey through life as we run our race. We've already talked about we're to run a race with endurance. Uh, we are to run a race to win the prize. There's a race that you and I all have. And as we run our race, we are to do it with joy as well. And some of these verses I've already shared with you, and I've shared on Sunday morning. They keep coming back to me. But number one is how we can keep our joy is just staying close to the Lord, in the presence of the Lord. Psalm 16, verse 11, you shall show me the path of life. You know, all kinds of books and, you know, advice, you know, life coaches and, you know, life advice and how to live life and, Get the fullest of life. David, 3,000 years ago, says, you will show me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures evermore. That that's, means so much to me. Lord, in your presence is fullness of joy. 
And we have the opportunity to be in the presence of the Lord, even as Hebrews chapter 10 declares to us that we can come to the Holy of Holies, you know, and, and writing to those first century uh, Jewish Christians. And, and they would read that and, and they would say, that's amazing. Can you imagine Aaron, the high priest of the Old Testament, reading that? That we get to come into the Holy of Holies with confidence, not our own confidence, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And in the Old Testament, you know, as he, the writer of Hebrews goes through, Jesus is superior, superior sacrifice. You, you know, the new covenant, and, and he died for our sins once and for all. And because of that, we can come into the Holy of Holies, where the tangible presence of God is. And it's not just once a year, like Aaron could only do, for a short time, after elaborate washings and cleansings. But we can come into his presence any time that we want, and we can stay as long as we want. And we can do it as many times as we want. What a privilege that we have. So a real key is to stay close to the Lord and in the presence of the Lord, just keep going to him. Because if we stop doing that, and what can happen is, particularly as we go through a difficult time and season, we begin with withdrawal from the Lord. That can happen with me. I've seen it happen with many Christians. They go through a difficult time and they begin to withdraw from the Lord uh, for whatever reason it might be. Maybe they're angry. Maybe they think the Lord doesn't care. He doesn't love me. He's not working in my life. Don't withdraw from the Lord. But stay close to him. It's a time to draw close to him, especially in those times that we're going through difficulties. And he says, in your presence is fullness of joy. We don't have to be afraid. We have the promise of his presence. Paul, when he was in Corinth, that he was afraid, and the Lord came to Paul and said, Paul, don't be afraid. Paul, when he came to Corinth, he would write that I came with much fear and trembling. He was one beat up, you know, tired missionary. And as he comes into Corinth, he begins to preach, and he would go leave the synagogue. He would go over next door to where the, you know, the Gentiles were and, and begin to preach. And the church began to grow. And he's afraid. He's like, okay, here we go again. It won't, how long before I get you know, beaten again with rods? He's still in Corinth with the scars that happen in Philippi. And he's afraid. And the Lord comes to him and says, don't be afraid. Paul, don't be afraid. Because I am with you, the promise of his presence. And I'm going to, to be with you where no one's going to hurt you. We have the promise of his presence given to us. And, and again, just in the honesty of my life, there's been times where I've been afraid. That a, something or a situation or I think the whole thing's going to fall apart or I, I can become afraid. And the Lord says, no, you don't have to be. You don't have to be afraid because I'm still with you in the promise of his presence. And Paul was able to continue for a year and a half in Corinth ministering, which was a long time for Paul to stay in the city. So we have his promises and we have the promise of his presence. Second of all, you can write down, you know this, we've gone over it before, abiding is love. It's very important that we do that. It's important for me to remember that the Lord loves me. And he loves you guys. And we can think, Lord, yeah, kind of, do you just put up with me? Or are you indifferent to me? And we know that he loves us. 
We know that he cares for us. We know that he would say to those disciples before he left, in John chapter 15, I'll read it to you. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you and abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments while you abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, that these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. How do we have a fullness of joy? That is, you abide in his love. Lord, you do love me. You proved it to me. Because the enemy, who's the accuser of the brethren, who accuses us day and night, a million times he's come whispering in my ear, God doesn't love you, he doesn't care, he doesn't want to use you, you know, you're a spiritual waste, you know, you're no good, you know, you're useless, just, you're not gifted in this area, and you're going to fail. Have you heard those words? I have, all the time. God doesn't really love you, you know, and we need to abide in his love. And it's the love of God that shed abroad in our hearts, as Romans chapter 5 says. And if you ever doubt the love of God, you always go to the cross and sit at the feet of the, you know, the foot of the cross. And remember his love for you and abide in that and stay in this love. And so I need to remember that, Lord, I have your presence and I have your love. That's a key to keep in joy. And then thirdly, we talked about it last Sunday, being thankful for others for the fellowship that we have. So not for the, you know, just to be redundant, but this is important to me that as we read in those opening verses of Philippians chapter 1, again, I'll read it to you. As Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, being thankful for others. Are you thankful that you're a part of the body of Christ? I am. I feel very blessed to have this family, to be a part of the family of God, and very thankful for the fellowship that we have. And again, it's, we're all, you got to love our quirky family. <laughs> you know, I'll just say that. We're all different. We got different personalities. It's not a perfect church. We will never be a perfect church. You know, we're not a perfect family. We're perfectly forgiven. We, we have a perfect God. But I know that there are some churches where, boy, they just try to, you know, we're going to make you, you know, cookie cutter kind of deal. And, and I love Calvary Chapel. We all have different backgrounds and experiences. And, and there are people coming in. And here's the thing about Revival or spiritual awakening, it is messy. It can be messy because people have messy lives. But we love them and we have fellowship and we're able to encourage each other and build each other up and, and to care for each other. That's what I pray for this church. And as we will talk about next week, loving others. Are you thankful that you're a part of the church? You have fellowship? Or is it, oh, you know, I guess, uh, you know, I'll go to church and talk to that person. And no, we get to see people saved, grow in the Lord, God working in people's lives. Isn't that exciting? It is to me. And I try to stay focused on that. We're going to read tomorrow that Paul says, approve the things that are excellent. So you got to come back tomorrow. But... <laughs> Approve the things that are excellent. We live in a culture where we love to just, 
you know, get our digs in and be critical and analyze and scrutinize and be judgmental and you're not this and you're not that and the church isn't this and that and it's like, stop. You know, I raised four kids and, you know, they're all out of the house now. But I remember when they were small, we'd have people that come over. Nobody came over and said, oh, you got a banana peel in the corner over there. Or they got their dirty socks, you know, they threw their coats on the floor. No, we don't do that, do we? We don't go into the church and say, there's a banana peel in the corner, you know, and this person this and that person that. Just, just you know, looking to find fault. We should be here saying, we're thankful we get to gather together. We get to learn of the Lord. We get to worship each other. We get to fellowship with each other. We get to worship the Lord together. Be thankful for the fellowship that we have and what God is doing in our midst. And then in chapter 4 of Philippians, and, and we'll talk more in details when we get there, a key. So number one, we have his presence. Number two, abide in his love. Number three, be thankful for each other. He says, the fellowship that we have together. I'm so thankful for you guys and, and for the fellowship that I have with you with joy. I, I'm just, I thank God upon every remembrance of you and the fellowship of the gospel from the first day until now. And then number four, that in chapter four, he says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He doesn't say rejoice in the Lord sometimes or only in the good times. Or when things are going good, or things go your way, here's Paul chained to a Roman guard. Now, he's going to also express in this epistle how God is working for the furtherance of the gospel. He's writing epistles, he's praying for the Christians, and some of the palace guard are getting saved. Because at the end of this epistle, in chapter 4, he says, those of Caesar's household greet you, you Christians. You know, they, they greet you because they're your brothers in the Lord. Can you imagine being chained to Paul the Apostle for a period of 12-hour shift? You, you wouldn't have a chance. <laughs> Paul did more ministry in prison than a lot of us do out of prison. He, he was one, can you imagine, he's there, you know, chained to a Roman guard, he's under house arrest, and Paul's over there going, I pray for this one that I'm chained to, that you would save him, that he would come to the gospel. I'm praying for the saints, and, and that guard seeing that witness that's there. And he writes in this epistle, being light to, to the world, and as I said, light is seen. And, and that the Roman guards were getting saved and of Caesar's household, and absolutely amazing. He didn't murmur and complain. He just... He did what he could in the place that God had him. And maybe you're in a situation in life or at work or whatever it may be. You feel like you're chained to it. You feel like you're imprisoned to it. You continue to pray. Continue to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And I said last week, and this is so true, if you don't have a thankful heart, you will not have a joyous heart. If you're not rejoicing in the Lord, if it's just murmuring, complaining, because he will say here that do all things without murmuring, complaining. I think, can I go a day without murmuring, complaining? He says, do all things, not some things. 
The Lord's coming is at hand as he's going to go on. Rejoice in the Lord. So number five, we know that the Lord coming is at hand. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice and let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. You know, as Christians, we're called to be gentle. We're called to be meek. We're called to be humble. Not err, overbearing and the rule over and all of this. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming is at hand. We're going to go home to be with him, whether he comes for us when our lives end here or the rapture of the church. But I think about that. I think, Lord, thank you that we're not stuck here. (laughs) You know, there is hope. We have a living hope. And we belong to a kingdom that is going to be so glorious when we stand before our Lord be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. Or when that trumpet blows and he takes us home, we're all together. I can't wait till we're all together. I look forward to that. That brings me such joy to know that, you know, we have, we have such a glorious future. We're the most blessed people. And we get to rule and reign with him. And, and that's going to be so incredible. So the Lord's coming is at hand. That's... Number five, and then number six, knowing that there's re- eternal rewards that will be given to us. That as we're just doing what the Master has called us to do, he talked a lot about that. Um, he talked a lot about Jesus, you know, the parable of the minas, the parable of um, uh, the talents, to be good stewards of what God has given to us. So, what has the Lord entrusted to you? Be a good steward of it. Invest in it. Because this world's going to go away and he's going to come back, receiving the kingdom as he speaks about in that parable. And we're going to give an account of that. And we're going to stand at the Bema reward seat of Jesus Christ. All of us. Not to be judged for our sins. Jesus took our sins. He took the judgment. But we're going to be judged what we've done in the body, whether good or bad. And there's rewards to be given. And I just can't help but think about one of my favorite verses in the book of Judas, that he who is able to keep you from stumbling will present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. And I think me faultless, I am so far from that. But the blood of Jesus Christ, his grace, what he has done, imputed righteousness to us, that we're going to stand before the Father And the Father and the Son are going to rejoice over you. He's going to rejoice over both of them, me. Look what what the work of grace has done. And when we go home to be with him, that is, Revelation chapter 1 speaks about those eyes of flame, as John describes in the glorified Lord. And I think all the things that are unlike him, all of our works are going to be tried by fire, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. All the things that are unlike him are going to burn up the wood, hay, and stubble. And all the things that we did for Christ, motivated because of our love for Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that are going to shine forth. And they're eternal rewards. We just saw the Super Bowl. You know? And it seems like every year, it's like how much more commercialized can it get? You know, whether you like it or not, that's, that's between you and the Lord. But to me, it's just, it's too much. And, and so, you know, it's something that the whole world watches and, you know, parades and all of this. And they go to Disneyland and, 
you know, the winning team or whatever it might be. That is nothing compared to what you and I, eternal rewards. Eternal rewards for what has been entrusted to us, opportunities given to us. And when I think about that, it's like, Lord, I am going to stand before you. It's very sobering. I'm not going to be judged for my sin. But I love that verse, that he who is able to keep you from stumbling, he's going to present us faultless before the Father with exceeding joy. And the Father and the Son are going to rejoice over me. I think, wow. And that brings joy to me. It brings joy to me to know that my labor is not in vain. And we get to rule and reign with him. It brings me joy to to know that I am to keep running my race with that joy. Because there is an end game. There is a finish line to win the prize. To have those rewards, as Paul says, that I've run my race. I've kept the faith. My departure is at hand. And there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And not only for me only, but for all those who are looking for the Lord's return. So that brings me joy to know that that's a reality for us. And then number seven, the seventh thing is to pray. Always keep praying. Don't stop praying. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When we have joy, there's also a peace that comes with it. And a lot of people are anxious right now. Um, I've had more people over the last few years say, I'm anxious, I'm fearful, I'm confused, um, I'm just kind of, you know, going through this. And, and, and I always read them this verse, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. Pray about, pray about everything and do it with thanksgiving. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds, you know. You'll just have the peace of God. We have peace with God when we come to him, but he wants to give us the peace of God in our hearts. Keep praying. Keep praying. And in those times that we're just anxious, say, Lord, I give it to you. I cast my cares on you. I can be thankful that you're with me and your promises are true. You're going to work in my situation. And then number eight, this is really important, the last thing. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. It's important what it is that you meditate on. If you're just watching 24 hours a day, you know, news talk, what's going on, you're going to get angry. I'm not saying you shouldn't be informed or you shouldn't watch the news. But I've known guys, you know, guys and gals that will, you know, just they watch news all day long and they read this and they're on social media and they're just angry. Meditate on the things that are pure and good and lovely, a good report. It's important what it is that we, we are putting into our minds, the word of God, the things of God. And as we meditate on those things, then we'll be able to keep our joy. But if it's just meditating on the things of the world, I mean, it doesn't take much for me yesterday. You know, I was, I was just reading a post from somebody. It was just real legalistic. It made me angry. <laughs> 
You know, it's, it's like, how can you say this? And how can you, you know, lead people into this kind of, of, of thought? And so it's like, okay, put it aside. You're not going to respond to it. You know, you're not going to blow up social media, you know, with, with your opinions and all this and thoughts. And, you know, we stand for truth. And those things, you know, can get us upset. But for me, I can just start thinking about it, thinking about it, and thinking about it. Rather than, Lord, you know, you just deal with this. Or, you know, show this person that, that this isn't, it, the church doesn't save you. Kind of a comment in that. You know, it's important to church, but it doesn't save you. It's Christ alone and grace alone. Amen? Okay. And so, you know, I just, it's very easily we can get upset to things that we read and just really begin to, to pull us down and make us angry or makes us anxious or whatever the case may be. Meditate on these things, those things which are noble. Man, those things that are are just and lovely and good report. You know, those things that are praiseworthy. Uh, Ephesians, I always go through this with when I do premarital counseling with others. We go through what's the atmosphere of your home, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord and giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That should be the atmosphere of our homes. You know, just of this church speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts to the Lord, giving thanks, meditating on the things that are good, the word of God, uh, approving the things that are excellent. Amen. And as we're doing those things and not getting sidetracked, because there's a lot of voices out there more than ever before. And what can happen is we get led by those voices. And they may have good intentions, but, you know, they have very strong convictions rather than, Lord, you lead me by the word of God and by the spirit of God speaking to my heart. And I want to focus on the things that are good report. Yeah, I'm going to stay informed. Yes, Lord, I, I know that these issues that we see going on around us are really important, but I want to keep an eternal perspective. Amen. And I want to meditate on those things. And as we just do these things that will help us with our joy, to keep our joy, the sense of calmness and peace and assurance that God is working and he's going to see us through and being confident of this very thing that he has begun a good work in us will bring it to completion. Amen. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for these things. Lord, we can be familiar with it. But, Lord, we want to keep our joy. There's, there's too many voices, too many things out there, information, all this, really can take our joy away or situations that we face. We see the condition of the world. And Lord, I want to keep my joy. Yes, I want to be informed. I want to be able to address these things. Uh, we're not to stick our heads in the sand and, and hide from them. But Lord, we don't want our joy to be taken away either because we want to keep eternal perspective. So Lord, help us to just know we have your presence, the promise of your presence, to abide in your love, to be thankful for one another, to rejoice in the Lord uh, always, to, to know that your coming is near, that we have eternal rewards, that, uh, Lord, as we will stand at the Bema reward seat of Christ, 
that helps us not just knowing that heaven is a destination, but it's a motivation too. And that we can pray about everything with thanksgiving, knowing that your peace will rule in our hearts. And Lord, we want to just meditate on godly things. Uh, We know that we're to renew our minds is what we're to do. And, And we are to renew our minds with the word of God. Those things that are pleasing to you. Praiseworthy. Lord, just help us through the day to look to you in every way. And I pray for all of us that we would run our race with joy that is set before us. The ministry that you've given to us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Next week... It's kind of the the highlight. Next week is is the key as we finish with loving others in ministry. So hopefully you can make it for that last one. If you got any questions or if you need prayer, I'd love to pray with you. And God bless you as you go your way. Looking forward to seeing you guys tomorrow if you're here. So, all right.